The e-commerce fuel podcast is sponsored by Shopify, the platform I personally use to host my own store. Why did I move to them from Magento, who I had been on for years? Well, Shopify has an enormous ecosystem of developers and apps. Their template framework and API are really well architected, and they're a hosted service, so I can focus on growing my business versus spending hours worrying about server issues. And best of all, they make me more money. Our business experienced an enormous 41% conversion increase after we migrated. Check them out at shopify.com. Welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast, your headquarters for building a six-figure-plus e-commerce business. I'm your host, e-commerce entrepreneur and Jeff Bezos wannabe, Andrew Derry. Hey guys, it's Andrew here and welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today on the show, I've got Matt Clark, who's the co-founder of Amazing com And Matt's a, uh, a guy who's pretty well known online for his expertise with Amazon, uh, has done really well selling on the platform and has a popular course about how to do how to do the same. And we dive into a lot of things, his backstory. We dive into, you know, what makes a great Amazon product? What kind of things should you be looking for? How do you market a product on Amazon, tips for going over and, and sourcing stuff from China if you're going to go that route. But really kind of diving into the high level and the nuts and bolts of, um, of how that all works. So this one's a little bit longer than most of the interviews I do here, the, sh- the episodes at least. So I'm going to go ahead and get right into it today. So let's dive into our conversation with Matt Clark. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you, man. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thanks a lot. So we, it's funny, we used to be in a mastermind back in the day, like three or four years ago. And I was trying to remember, as I was putting notes together for this, how did we get connected? Who was it that introduced us? Do you remember? You know, it's kind of funny. I was, I was trying to think of that myself and I, I could have sworn, I could be wrong, but I could have sworn that like, you know, this is back in my uh, sort of e-commerce days and I was poking around on practical e-commerce and I could have sworn you had either written an article or commented on an article and I may have just reached out to you cold at that point. But that could be wrong. I'm not completely sure. Actually, that does strike a that does strike a chord. I do remember that. <laughs> Crazy. And you were at the time like you weren't doing a whole lot on Amazon. You were running. You're kind of doing a nutritional supplements e-commerce business. Were you selling on Amazon much at that point, or was it more just strict e-commerce? Yeah, yeah. So, so right at that point, I mean, I started off running my own e-commerce store, which expanded into about 30 stores, and then sort of reconsolidated everything into one store. But I, I found out at that point, you know, started sort of expanding onto Amazon because of a lot of SEO things going on and opportunities I saw there. So right at that point, I was probably just getting started on Amazon. So take me on the journey, man. You know, we're doing masterminds sure. and, you know, you're doing e-commerce, I'm doing e-commerce. And then here we are three, four years later and you're running events with thousand people, Richard Brands <laughs> and all this stuff. And, and so what happened between then and now? Like, how did you go from where you were to really building up an entire very good sized Amazon business and, and launching ASM, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's been a, it's been a long journey. So sort of, uh, like I said, started off uh, selling products, health supplements on my own e-commerce store, some very high quality sort of hypoallergenic sort of niche supplements, and then sort of expanded from there on to Amazon. And then so, you know, I was running an e-commerce store at the time with about 11,000 different products that was uh, just had some different distributors who had access to, you know, uh, thousands of products. And so just kept uploading them all. Um, and then so at the time, I had the brilliant idea, knowing nothing about Amazon. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, you're you kidding me? I was like, with Amazon, you add some products. And the only time you really have to pay Amazon anything is when something sells. And I was so used to doing PPC where you're paying per click, whether you sell anything or not. 
And so I was like, holy crap, you know, it's like I can just add all the products I've ever had access to to Amazon. And if they sell, great. If they don't, then I don't lose anything. So in theory, it was a good idea. But then what happened was is, you know, started getting sales for a lot of these products without even really trying. But then the supplier, oh, this one happens to be out of stock and another one happens to be out of stock. And then when that starts happening on Amazon, it, it, you get in trouble really fast because you can't just start canceling orders left and right. And it just just they do not like that sort of thing. So then sort of whittled it down to a limited number of products and started having a few that just absolutely started taking off. And then so, you know, what I consider, I guess, relatively early on in the uh, sort of Amazon selling game, started figuring out how you rank products and how you really build a business around, you know, what was, has been one of the, the largest growing e-commerce platform in the U.S. anyways. And so with that, I started thinking, you know, I was like, well, you know, I'm only selling at this point because I can't really sell a whole bunch of different products. I'm only selling, I don't think, 10 or 12 different products and only really one market. And so I, I started thinking, I was like, there's hundreds of other markets and thousands of other products. And, you know, I've liked to do presentations and like speaking and like teaching and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, hey, you know, I see these other people creating courses on topics. So I was like, I bet I can probably create one on Amazon. So at the time, you know, through another mastermind, I met a guy who had been creating software and training courses for about five years at that point. He's still my business partner to this day. His name is Jason. And so after meeting him, he and I kind of partnered up together on this course idea that I had, I would be the content expert creating a course, teaching people how to sell products on Amazon, and he would be the person that had the list and the affiliate contacts and everything else. And sort of the rest was history. You know, we, we did about, I don't know, a million dollars or so the, the first time we ever released a course because there's just so much demand um, for this topic. And then we just kept growing from there, really improving and honing the course and what it takes to get people results to build this business. And we eventually turned the course into what's now amazing selling machine and it just keeps growing like crazy. I mean, people from, I think we have people from over a hundred different countries getting results and, you know, really building great businesses when a lot of other things hadn't really worked. But I mean, that is, I guess, the the very abridged version of the story. And so a question that uh, I think people probably ask, people have asked me, I've done info products uh, in the past and I think mm -hmm. people always wonder for courses, something I've had to answer as well. The kind of the age-old question, if the model works really well, if, if the Amazon model works so well, why, why share the secret formula? Why not just you, know, you and Jason go out, make an absolute killing uh, in the market as opposed to teaching other people how to do it? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's a personal preference. Some people like to run businesses in the, what I call the, I don't mean this in a negative way, but the dark corners of the internet, you're just sitting in your house, making good money, doing your own thing. I've always liked sort of, like I, like I said, even back in, in college and probably before then, like doing public speaking, like being in front of people, like sharing things with people. And so I think it was just, you know, psychologically, it was just something that I uh, felt very comfortable doing. But at first, you know, it's, it, the reason has evolved over time. But at first, I wasn't really too worried about competition because competition on Amazon at the time was very minimal. And it was my way of kind of meeting a lot of other people. Because of creating that course, I started meeting a lot of other very successful entrepreneurs. And I kind of knew that would happen because, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can do business-wise together whenever you sort of get in that situation. And so it was a good way to meet other people. But then, you know, having done this for a few years now, Really, the reason now is, is that I finally have been able to see the really the impact that it's having on other people's lives. I mean, I could tell you so many different stories. I could tell you about a guy that was a police officer for 11 years with five kids and I think three cats or something that was, you know, sort of had another business that sort of went down the tube. He started this and everything changed in his life. Another guy that was living on government subsidized housing and him and his wife pay cash for a house. And now they have a, 
a multi-million dollar business and people from Costa Rica, people from Brazil, people from everywhere else in the world you could imagine that are all building a business for the first time and being successful at it. A lot of them may have tried before, but they just didn't put the pieces together. So I think, I don't know if it's a unique skill or just a lot of hard work, but we've figured out how to really get somebody who's never been able to build a successful business before, and it may take them a while to ever do it without this sort of training, to be able to do it successfully. So now it's for us, it's really about the people. But in the beginning, you know, it was just because I wasn't too worried about competition, and it was a great way to sort of meet a lot of other entrepreneurs. Let's, let's dive into some of the specifics in terms of uh, the actual nuts and bolts behind making this work on Amazon. So sure. let's say started starting out from absolute scratch today, want to mm-hmm. get started, have no idea what to sell. What's the anatomy of the perfect product on Amazon? You know, I've thought through things for, for drop shipping, there's different variables and, and for different aspects, different channels. For Amazon, what is what makes that perfect product? What are you looking for? Right. So one of the biggest distinctions, I mean, especially for people like you and I that came from, you know, businesses selling other people's products is one of the things that really changed everything and is, wasn't as quite as much of a factor back in the day. Because back in the day, I was selling products that were other people's brands. By the time, there was nobody else selling them on Amazon. You'll have a heck of a time finding a supplier that allows you to sell products on Amazon, but their products aren't already being sold on Amazon. Because when that happens, when you start selling products that other people are selling on Amazon, other people's brands, say, for example, you wanted to go sell, I don't know, iPhones, you're going to be competing against tens, if not hundreds of other people who really the only way, because you're all listing on the same exact product listing, the only way that you can really compete with the other sellers is either just staying at it for a really long time and building up seller history, but almost most importantly is just by lowering your price. So what happens is, is you're buying the product for one price and you may have good margins starting out, but then you start competing against other people for the same exact product listing. If you want to get rid of inventory or you actually want to try to make sales, everyone just keeps dropping the price and dropping the price until you're not making any money. You shouldn't be on there anyways. So one of the biggest distinctions is you want to be selling your own brand of products. For me, back in the day when I was starting with health supplements, it meant instead of selling somebody else's brand of them, I went out and created my own brand of them which nowadays is, is not really that difficult, even if you're getting products from, from China or anywhere else around the world. So that first thing is, is you're going to eventually want to be selling your own product. Second off is that, especially on Amazon, you want to be selling a product that is already selling well. You don't want to be the first person to try to invent some product, even if it is your own brand, and add it to Amazon and try to get going that way. It's just really not a good way to get going because you have to figure out, uh, you have to basically build demand that doesn't already exist. But if you sell a product that's already selling well, for example, iPhone 6 came out not that long ago. So if you start selling iPhone 6 cases, it meets this criteria. There's already a lot of demand there. There's already products in that market that are selling well. So you don't have to worry um, whether or not the product can sell well because it's already it's proven. It's sitting there. So we typically look at products that are you know, about within the top 1,000 of their top level category. So say, for example, you go look on Amazon. You look at the sports and outdoors category. There's a lot of subcategories, there's exercise and fitness and all those other sort of things. But you're really looking, even if products fit in those other subcategories, you're really looking for a product that is in the top 1,000 of sports and outdoors or top 1,000 of uh, health and personal care or top 1,000 of any of those top level categories because that that's let you know that the product is selling well. So if it's selling well and you're able to create your own brand, you're off to a good start. Well, traditionally, when I've looked at niches, again, coming from a completely different background from Amazon, though, I've kind of tried to look for a middle ground because, you know, you don't yep. want to come out on Google if you're trying to rank with Google. You try to rank for 
coffee machine. It's gonna yep. you're gonna get hosed. I mean, there's just it's just especially as a smaller merchant. And on the the flip side, if you if you're trying to do something so obscure, you maybe you can rank easily for it, but there's not a lot of money there. So why not why not take the middle approach with Amazon in terms of getting stuff? And maybe we'll get into this in terms of how difficult it is to rank for it. But why not take more of a middle ground where there's a decent amount of profit potential, but it's not quite so competitive. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. So for us, honestly, the top 1000 is kind of a middle ground because we used to tell people, you know, you should just go after products that are within the top 100 and there's, you know, a bunch of different categories. So it's not only a hundred products. There's probably, I don't know, a thousand plus good solid opportunities there. Uh, We used to tell people just go to top 100. Uh, And then we had people that were going after those products and they were doing extremely well. But then you get to the point where there's so many sellers selling all those products that it's just like what you would imagine. There's just it's harder for people to sell and compete. So we expanded it to the top 200, top 500, top 1,000. This doesn't necessarily mean that people are selling a lot less though because what's happened on Amazon, if anybody's been watching it, is they're growing for a multi-billion dollar company, one of the biggest companies in the world. They're growing at about 20% a year. So I know firsthand, just from seeing the rankings and being involved in selling products on Amazon, that being in the top, say, 100, for example, for a category now on Amazon, your sales are so much larger than when I first started, you know, four or five years ago on Amazon, and being in the top 100 then. It just means a lot more in terms of actual sales now. You could probably be in the top 1,000 like it was, you know, X number of years ago. So we typically recommend still top 1,000. We don't like to go too much below that because... The interesting thing about Amazon is that we know a lot. We've taught people a lot of stuff. But sometimes, honestly, you add products and it happens more than you would imagine. You add products and as long as you're in a good, solid, competitive market, you can start getting sales almost by accident because Amazon's featuring your product in so many different places for different categories, different keywords, keywords you wouldn't even think to ever type in. But if you're not selling a product that's even ever going to sell well, then it doesn't really matter because you can get to the top of the food chain for that product, but the ultimate sales make it make it not really worth the effort. So we still like people to go after semi more competitive markets, but we're comfortable going to really a top 1000. Some people may argue, you know, top 3000, but but we like people to be in competitive markets because we know there's good solid sales volume there. And I'm guessing for everything that you're doing, you're using FBA, right? Fulfillment by Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless you have an existing operation and you really have a solid reason to be you know, running your own warehouse or using a third-party fulfillment system uh, or fulfillment company, then we highly recommend everyone use FBA. I mean, especially for people that are international, uh, but really for anybody. I mean, there's no reason for you to have to mess around with, with touching inventory, any of that sort of stuff. And just so people understand the mechanics on pricing for FBA, you're probably looking, you're looking at probably a, a commission fee structure anywhere from you know ten to fifteen percent, roughly, based on the category, and then mm-hmm. a probably a pick fee, a couple of fees for you know picking it and boxing it up with FBA, but then the shipping for whatever you're selling to Prime members at least is free, right? Yep, exactly. Perfect. So let's say let's say I've got a product, it's my own brand, I've white labeled it, and it's selling well on Amazon. So. How do we do, I mean, you mentioned that Amazon is, is going to maybe accidentally sell a couple of your products, which probably I'm sure happens, but to do really well, you're probably going to have to optimize it to do some marketing. Once you've got it online on Amazon, what parts of the page, or maybe not even the page, but off-page stuff, do you do to get it to show up well in Amazon's search algorithm? Sure. So um, like you know, building a house, it's like we recommend before you start putting anything on top with such as traffic, you, you really get your foundation down. So when it comes to Amazon, like, like you know, Andrew, from the, from the e-commerce game, is a lot of people, when they list products for sale on their own site or even on Amazon, a lot of them just like take manufacturer's description, load it up there, maybe take a couple manufacturer's pictures, and they're done with it on to the next product. 
you can get a lot of ranking boost and conversion boost by spending a little time crafting you know good product images get good nice custom product images created which can don't have to be you know too expensive you can literally get a photographer off of craigslist or a designer off of odesk uh, to go create really nice product images for you so those um, really help people shopping on Amazon see every aspect of the product that other you know, vendors on there may not be showing them because they may just have one picture. But then the person's like, well, can it actually fit for this? Or does it actually look like this? Or what's on the back side of it? So that's going to help increase your conversion rate. The other thing is uh, including keywords in your product title. Still, there's a lot of people on Amazon who don't do that sort of thing. Do some good solid keyword research. Uh, figure out some keywords that are relevant for your market and make sure to include those in your title still provides a good solid ranking boost if done right. The other thing is one of the, the other major component is your product description. A lot of people still just write very bland, unformatted product descriptions. You can do a lot better and get more of a conversion boost if you go out and you actually spend some time crafting a product description for your product that makes people want to buy it. All the sort of basic stuff, you know, explaining the, the major benefits of your product, the major uh, features, who your product is for, all that sort of good stuff that, that's not that complicated. It's just most people don't take the time to do it. So once you've done all that and you have you know, solid images, a good title, good description, there's some other bullet points and whatnot that you can add, but then you're ready to actually start getting people to see your product. And so some of the easy ways to do that is, first off, Amazon has a, as an advertising platform that I believe was released uh, maybe, I don't know, a couple years ago or so, but it's called Amazon Sponsored Ads, which is different than Amazon Product Ads. So Amazon Sponsored Ads is an internal advertising system that you access from within your Amazon Seller Central account that allows you to start sending traffic from within Amazon to the products you're selling on Amazon. So if you let it run with some pretty general keywords, you'll start getting data back on what keywords are working, what keywords aren't working, and then at that point, it's, it's pretty basic advertising. You cut out the stuff that's, stuff that's not working, you keep running or increase budgets on stuff that is working, and that's a decent way to get sales. The, the traffic volume is never going to be huge and massive just because the placements currently Amazon has are kind of hidden a little bit. They're, they're not very prominent, but if done right, it's almost always profitable for the sales that you do generate. So that's, that's typically how we recommend people get started anyways. And Matt, with those, with those ads, where are those showing up? Are these going to be things, you know, a lot of times on Amazon you can see commonly purchased with or recommended sure. products. Is it, are these ads actually kind of baked into the, what looks like the, the organic interface of Amazon? Or yep. are these ads on the right-hand side that look much more ad-like? No, like um, they, they don't look much like ads unless you're kind of looking closely or familiar with them. But one of the main places they're shown is if you search for a keyword, like say, for example, just to beat the example to death, say, for example, I want to sell an iPhone 6 case. So I have a new product. Maybe it ranks on the, who knows, 10th page or something like that for iPhone 6 case, the keyword. But I'm sitting there running Amazon-sponsored ads. Somebody searches for iPhone 6 case. They scroll down through the first 10 or so listings before they flip over to the next page. At the bottom of those 10 listings is generally going to be a chunk with probably one to two of these Amazon-sponsored ads. So it's at the bottom of search results listings, and it's also on some other pages, sometimes on product pages, on category pages, and a few other places. Yeah, yeah. and you mentioned uh, getting keywords in the title. And yep. you've seen I've seen a lot of Amazon listings where... It, it kind of reminiscent of the early days of Google, where just <laughs> you know, just keyword stuff to the gills, yep. and you got a title that's six lines long, and it uh, terrible usability, terrible user sure. experience. But obviously, it's got <laughs> tons of keywords in there. Does that actually still work? Or it seems like yeah. it'd be something that Amazon would be able to filter out. 
But yeah, the funny thing is, I don't necessarily want to take too much credit, but I think that almost single-handedly came from us <laughs> because we we figured out, you know, a few years ago that it was, you know, it was crazy to us because I came from kind of I did some PPC, but at one point I was also doing quite a bit of SEO from an e-commerce store, so I understand how all that worked. And it was before my time of doing that stuff, but I heard from the days where you could just stuff keywords in in your meta tags and it actually worked. So I understood the concept, but then it did work on Amazon. Because Amazon, one of the, like your description doesn't seem to really matter a whole lot from, from keywords, but your title still does. And before the last, you know, year and a half or so, uh, stuffing all the keywords you could possibly imagine got you ranking for more keywords as long as those keywords were in your title. Uh, you know, but on the other hand, it's one of the biggest factors with Amazon is your product page's conversion rate. So if by stuffing all that stuff in there, people can't even tell what your product is, your conversion rate's probably going to suffer. But also, Amazon has made some, some updates, it appears, that stuffing all that stuff in your keyword is, is not necessarily a good thing. You want to tighten it up a little bit. You want to make sure that you're including your most important, most relevant keywords at the beginning. Things are still being tested there, so there's no definitive answer, but it definitely doesn't work as well as it did, just stuffing everything in there. So I would definitely think, you know, ultimately, you know, this stuff's not going to last forever. But if you focus on giving the user a good, solid user experience, um, that's going to be your best bet. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be still selling them with your title. In terms of marketing off of Amazon, I, I'm guessing here that uh, once you have a great Amazon page, you're obviously going to get a lot of, hopefully you'll get a lot of uh, sales from within Amazon, people going to Amazon searching or just browsing from within Amazon's ecosystem. Yep. What kind of marketing, if any, are you guys doing to outside of Amazon's ecosystem, building links maybe directly to Amazon pages or running PPC directly to Amazon sales pages? Are you guys doing that just to be able to leverage the fact that people trust Amazon and their conversion rates for any page are probably going to be higher than average? And if so, what, what specific methods are working really well to pair up with kind of promoting Amazon pages from outside of the ecosystem? Sure. So, I mean, with advertising from outside of Amazon, it's like I've heard, you know, you and I have had discussions. Um, you end up sort of gravitating towards where you feel most comfortable. It doesn't mean that one thing is necessarily better than the other. If you really like SEO stuff, you can make it work for Amazon. We have people that have made it work for Amazon. If doing Google PPC is really your thing, then you can make it work with Amazon. I am sort of partial towards Facebook advertising. You know, we've done Facebook advertising promotions where we're doing a discounted a product offer that we've sold, you know, a thousand units in, in 12 hours or so of a brand new product to get the customers to turn into reviews, which is a whole other story. But still like Facebook advertising because it's just so easy to reach the exact target market that you actually want to. And you can, you know, people love physical product stuff. So as opposed to, you know, trying to get people to buy some information product, if you're telling them they can get X product on Amazon with whatever offer you make them, there's no trust sort of fall off because they're like, well, you know, if it's sold on Amazon, I don't have to worry about giving this person my credit card or am I actually going to get my product because they trust Amazon. So, so it makes the process pretty easy. So I'm kind of partial towards using Facebook, but, you know, we have people that use deal sites such as slickdeals.net, which is sort of an evolving process. We've had people in the past that have done, you know, Google search PPC. The problem is, is that, you know, it's been a while since I've run that myself, but the problem is, is that, you know, I believe for them, there was only, you know, one person that could have a listing running at a time. So when it gets kind of competitive, it's kind of becomes not an option. Uh, we have other people that do a lot of SEO and, and you kind of name it, but yeah, so it's a little bit of a rundown anyways. Interesting about SEO. So do you actually, have you seen much benefit from doing SEO for specific pages 
on Amazon, you know, linking, deep linking, linking to your product page. It's a little inside baseball, but like Amazon has so much domain authority already that they rank well, Mm -hmm. even without a whole lot of links. Do you see that that helps out a lot? Or does Amazon, I wonder if, and I guess maybe what I'm really asking here, does Google look at Amazon and does it say, hey, Amazon is ranking these pages, this specific product really well in their algorithm. So we're going to also boost it well. Are you getting most of the SEO benefit if you do it well from within Amazon to get it to rank well? Or is there a lot of side benefit that can be had by doing external SEO as well? Yeah, it's a good question because, you know, with SEO, it changes pretty frequently now. But, you know, it's been probably, I don't know, a year or so since I've looked at much SEO stuff for Amazon. But assuming it still works the same, what we had sort of seen was that, you know, logically, we would expect that if a product is ranking very well for a keyword, for example, on Amazon, why wouldn't Google be ranking it for the same exact keyword? But that wasn't always the case. And a lot of times it wasn't the case. It was all the other sort of SEO factors that have, that have been around for a while, you know, how many links does the page have, the authority of the links and all that other sort of good stuff and the content on the actual Amazon product page. And so you could actually get your product ranking higher than others, even though they may rank higher for certain keywords inside of Amazon. You could get your pages ranking higher outside of Amazon and Google, for example. And you could also do the same thing with reviews pages. Like for every product on Amazon, if you click the product reviews, there's a dedicated page that lists or at least has access to all the different reviews for that product. And as you know, if you're looking for any product, especially a physical product, a lot of people type in that product name and then reviews. So you could literally get your reviews page ranking with the same sort of SEO stuff for reviews related keywords in Google as well. Um, so assuming it still works the same, yes, that, that was definitely the case, but it wasn't always a sort of direct correlation between Amazon ranking and Google ranking. It's a good, uh, you kind of prompted my memory about reviews and there's a ton of, you know, there's a lot of ways to generate reviews on Amazon and a lot of barely above board, maybe below, sure. you, know, you know, ways zero cost reviews, review clubs where people just swap reviews yep. that may work now, but maybe in the future, you know, there's probably a good chance a lot of those will get dinged. What ways do you, can you recommend for legitimately building up solid reviews that you're not gonna have to worry about kind of in a kin to black hat SEO is going to come back and bite you in the future? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, but it's ultimately the, the solution that's worked the best for a lot of our most successful customers, for us included, is that you sell a darn good product, especially if you're sourcing a product from, actually, it doesn't matter if you're really sourcing it domestically or if you're sourcing it overseas, you really want to make sure that you have a very, very good product. And the, the cool thing is, is with Amazon, is before you even get into a new product, go look at the negative reviews your competitors' products or your future competitors' products because you'll see exactly the stuff that people didn't like. So when you start ordering samples or you start formulating a new product, make sure that those sort of objections are addressed in your new product. And once you do and you're sure you have a darn good product, if there's any reason that you can address something and you know if somebody buys it, you know they're going to have a bad experience, then at least address that in your product description, your product packaging, so you sort of preempt getting a negative review. So you have a really good product and then you provide really good customer service. So you don't just let sales happen on Amazon. You follow up with customers. Ask them if you know they got their order. Do they like the product? Do they have any questions? And it's all that sort of daily work, if you will, that really has allowed people to really catapult their businesses on Amazon because it all adds up eventually. And really part of the game on Amazon is not so much getting tons and tons and tons of positive reviews, but it's really preventing the negative reviews because we've seen it that you can have lots of positive reviews, but you get one negative reviews, and until you fix that issue, your sales will drop by 50%. 
I mean, it's crazy. So you really have to be just as diligent at preventing uh, negative reviews, if not more so, than you are at, at getting more positive reviews. But a lot of it comes down to having a good product and really good customer service. I'm going to be a little, little selfish here and just sure. uh, mine you for experience for my own personal gain. <laughs> headed <laughs> no over to uh, headed over to China in a couple months, uh, Hong oh, Kong cool. and Shenzhen to to source some products. Primarily just because I've done a lot of e-commerce, but uh, never done importing, never sourced products before. I want to get my feet wet with both that and Amazon mm-hmm. as well. So I guess a couple questions for you. One. Would you go over and see what kind of cool things you could find and based on that, try to pick something to import and sell? Or would you go with a very specific idea first of what you wanted to buy based on all the criteria we're talking about? I think I know the answer to this. And then the second part of that is any just general suggestions or tips for someone who's going over to do their first importing abroad and bringing it over for Amazon sales? Yeah, great question. So, um, so first off, would definitely because I mean you go to China. We've been to China. We've visited factories. We've done that whole thing. And but you go to China and <laughs> you'll see that every product on the planet is made in China. I mean I think that's what did somebody tell me the other day? It's like uh, I, don't, I don't remember the quote, so I'm not going to butcher it. But uh, everything on the planet is you know made in China. So you go over there and you'll start opening your eyes. You're like, oh, I could sell that. I could sell that. I could sell that. I could sell that. And it's it's cool, but make sure that you have at least some idea. You don't have to have one product that you have picked out, and if you don't find that, then you don't want to sell anything. But have a general idea, or at least have a criteria, that for whatever product you sell, you're sure that there is a market for already. In our case, we would kind of use Amazon as a litmus test. We would check, okay, does this product sell well on Amazon? Looks like it. Are there at least a few products selling well on Amazon? At least a few products in the top 1,000. If there are, good enough. No, so that, that's the first criteria. The second one is that you were asking some general advice for somebody going over to source products from China for the first time. One thing that I would highly recommend, especially for your case, Andrew, going over there, is visit a dedicated packaging manufacturer. So you'll visit suppliers. I mean, we visited suppliers that made everything from silicone, you name it, silicone spatula, silicone baking mat, silicone everything else. We visited suppliers everywhere from there to electronic stuff to one factory made giant, you know, jumping houses for like kids parties. That was all they produced. But then one of the most exciting things for me was visiting the packaging manufacturer because, you know, as we know, you like you buy an iPhone and the, the packaging is absolutely amazing. It's a nice thick box. It fits perfectly. Uh, it's got their nice design, very clean looking. You can get a box like that, the highest quality box on the planet. If you buy a little tiny small one like for an iPhone, for example, you can get a box like that for about a dollar. Uh, you buy a big one, one that could probably fit an entire, you know, MacBook Air or so. That'll cost you about two dollars. So we visited that manufacturer, and then I believe it was literally the next day or maybe two days later, we visited the uh, silicone manufacturer. So I was looking at kitchen products there, and they were selling products or making products for massive companies. They were making them for Bed Bath & Beyond. They were making them for uh, Home Shopping Network and a bunch of others. And you look at their packaging, they would just have, you know, for example, a silicone uh, baking mat with a tiny little piece of plastic wrapped around it, and that was their entire packaging. And I was putting two and two together, you know, because if you buy the silicone baking mat from them, you get a really high quality packaging that may only cost you a dollar extra, which is really nothing when it comes to your margins. You could be outselling or at least have a perceived better product than just about anybody else just by putting those two things together. That's the thing with the physical product world is that 
you know, selling physical products has been around for thousands of years. Humans couldn't exist without it. But people still don't think about those kind of things in most cases. And you can kind of get some easy wins in almost any market just by putting some nicer packaging around the product. So that was definitely a cool experience and, and highly recommend it. That's really helpful. So Matt, just to clarify, are you saying go in and make sure when you source you source your products that they have great in-house packaging abilities? Or are you saying in no. most cases find a, an external packager that can work with your the maker of your primary good? Sure, yeah. So you know the Chinese mentality when it comes to products is a lot of times a little bit different than ours. So the Chinese will think that you'll want a, a product that's not as good or packaging that's not nearly as good just so you can save a few pennies. Whereas us, you know, we'd prefer to spend an extra dollar, two dollars per unit, which may be crazy to them, to have the world's greatest packaging or a product that's 10 times better. Just because that little incremental cost, the quality boost just far outweighs the, you know, the little incremental cost. So a lot of times, the manufacturers themselves, they don't necessarily specialize in packaging. They specialize in whatever kind of product it is that you want to source. A lot of them either are buying third-party packaging or they have a way of uh, producing the packaging, but it doesn't mean it's going to be the best on the planet. Sometimes they're able to do packaging that's comparable to other companies. But a lot of times you're better off using a separate packaging manufacturer if you really want to take this thing to the highest quality, using a separate packaging manufacturer and having them ordering you know, X number of units of the packaging, having them just ship that over to your supplier. And instead of your supplier putting it in their own in-house packaging, put it in your nice packaging and have that be your finished units. Where's your jump off point for China if you're, let's say, you know, you're, you're really just going on an exploratory trip? Yep. Do you have, is it, is it Hong Kong in the uh, kind of the Hong Kong district? Do you go over to Shenzhen? Where do you jump off and really just start exploring from? Yeah, the thing is, is um, I don't know if I was just sort of spoiled, but I definitely recommend going with or at least meeting somebody there that has been there and done it before. So, for example, I had a friend of mine who had been sourcing products from China for, I don't know, maybe six, seven years. And so he had visited lots of suppliers. He knew how that whole thing worked. So I, you know, wanted to go with him. And so I went with him. And, uh, you know, a lot of other people have done the same thing. Whereas you just like walking around in the street trying to find suppliers. It helps to go with somebody who's sort of been there and done that and also, you know, have a translator. So if there's somebody you want to go visit, they can just call them up. You can see if you can go visit. But as far as location, I mean, it really depends on the kind of products you want to source. I mean, the Shenzhen area, a lot of it's focused on electronic stuff. But for you, if you want to get, you know, kitchenware and whatnot, you may have to go to other parts of China, Beijing, for example. But it really kind of depends on the kind of product you want to source. But that doesn't bring up a good point, though, is if there's a specific market you want to go into, start looking at where those manufacturers are. You know, look them up on Alibaba, for example, and just start getting an idea of where most of the manufacturers for that kind of product are. And that's, that's a decent place to start. So Matt, you know, talking about white labeling, so you don't have to compete against a ton of people yep. on Amazon. A lot of, not a lot of talk, but more and more talk recently about manufacturers going direct to Amazon and manufacturers mm -hmm. in, you know, on, uh, in China selling direct on Amazon. So do you have any worries with products you're selling or with the model at all that the, kind of the long-term implications of if you are just buying something, putting your own sticker on it that exists, ultimately, either that manufacturer or Amazon is going to go and, and really clobber the market on that versus having something that's 100% completely your own. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, China, it's a, it's a very entrepreneurial place. I remember riding in the car with the, the lady who sort of ran half of uh, one of the manufacturing facilities, and she was kind of asking what we did, and we told her about, the, you know, course and our business and whatnot. She's like, oh, yeah, I should sign up for that. And so it's a lot of them, they, they kind of have that idea, 
but they have no clue how to actually sell in the Western or, or U.S. market. And plus, it's not really their specialty. Maybe long term in the future, maybe five years, ten years down the road, it may be a much easier thing for them to do. But now it's just such a a foreign thing to them that it's, it's not something they can do easily. No more than we can be like, oh, let's go to China and build our own manufacturing facility and go start selling wholesale to people. It's just a completely different kind of business that you know takes some, some understanding uh, that they just don't have at this point or, or in general. A lot of them may have the idea, but it's not something that really have worried about a whole bunch. It's just it's a very slow process for them to try to figure all that stuff out. And I think you're, you're five, ten years out, if ever, that they're able to actually do that just as well as people over here sitting on the ground selling to a market you're familiar with. Matt, you're getting ready to open an amazing selling machine again, something you've opened up a number of times in the past. Yep. Can you just talk about quickly, talk about the course, talk about what's sure. included and, uh, and why it's unique? Sure, absolutely. So our course is, um, you know, like Andrew said, called Amazing Selling Machine. So this is the fifth time we've released it. Each time we've released it, it's been available for about eight days for new members, and then it's closed down for six months. We're doing the same thing again next, or, or this month actually, April. Uh, it'll be open for about eight days, and then we don't know when, if ever, we'll, we'll reopen it. We literally, I'm telling you in all honesty, we have no plans right now scheduled to reopen it uh, because we like to focus on getting the new members' results, which is what everything is based off of for us. If people sign up and they don't get results, we've done people a disservice. Uh, so the course walks you through how to build a physical products business from beginning to end. We've had people that have never built a business before. We've had people that have sold on Amazon and eBay. We had a lady I was talking to the other day had sold on eBay for 18 years and she signed up for the course because she felt like she was doing Amazon and her physical products business all wrong. A lot of people don't understand how to really maximize profit margins, how to build longevity into your business. So if you're already selling your own products on an e-commerce store or a third-party platform, then this is still extremely valuable to you. And honestly, I think you're probably the person that can most easily benefit from it. So regardless of where you're at in your business or if you have no business, we walk people through the entire model of sourcing products, of finding high-quality suppliers and getting good margins, of creating well-optimized Amazon product listings, of getting good packaging done, getting images and everything else that goes along to your product listing. Then where sort of the rubber really hits the road is in the marketing side. We walk people through, I think now we've just completely rebuilt the entire training course to refresh it and make it uh, updated and better than ever. And I believe now it's about three modules that are almost exclusively dedicated to generating sales. We have a system you use before your product even goes live, a system you use once your product is live, and a system you use once you've already built up traction in your business and you want to expand. And then we cover how you can hire outsourcers to run the majority of this business, uh, how you run this business from anywhere in the world, whether you're from another country or you want to travel to another country. Um, and that's, that's what the eight-week web class is all about. It's all 100% online. You can watch it whenever you want, but it's released module by module one week at a time. And then we have uh, seven, I believe, different software tools that are built specifically for this business. We have one of the only email autoresponder tools for um, selling on Amazon. It's called Active Loop. So this is a custom piece of software we built uh, to allow people to send autoresponder messages to their customers to get more reviews, increase sales, and all that good stuff. And then we have uh, a bunch of other software tools on generating traffic and making sure your listing is protected and all that sort of good stuff. Then we have uh, something that's super exciting. We have the brand new community that we just rolled out. So in the past, we've had a, a relatively typical forum, and we've also had a Facebook group. But we've just, over the past, I don't know, five months or so, have completely from scratch built a brand new 
custom community to allow people to find the most relevant cutting edge content as quickly as possible. I mean, I know, Andrew, I think, I can't remember if you've been inside of there or not, but the ASM community for Amazing Selling Machine members is incredibly active. People will post things and they'll get hundreds and hundreds of, of comments and likes and interactions. And literally, if there's any question you ever have in this business, you post in the community, you're almost instantly getting a reply, or at least within the next you know, 10 minutes or so. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. So all that is, is being improved and rolled out uh, with this new class of Amazing Selling Machine students. And then also, you know, the entire thing, you know, it's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you feel like we didn't deliver on our promises, you feel like it's not for you, it's not what you expected, you can always get out. There's no problem there. Uh, I mean, as Andrew knows, we run a very reputable operation and uh, there's, there's nothing to hide really. So basically, the entire course walks you through the entire business. The tools help you automate a good chunk of the business and do the marketing and the community helps you stay up to date and gives you a support group uh, in building this business along the way. But uh, that in a nutshell is what it's all about. Matt, there's one parting question I got to ask you, and I got to be honest, it's not related to the course, but I know you (laughs) are an ex-finance guy, right? Yep. I know you worked as a trader in Houston, and from my geeky perspective, I got some bets out there about how Amazon's going to do in the next couple of years on the stock Mm -hmm. stock market-wise. What do you think? Like, looking at their valuations, I mean, you were in the market, you were a real value guy, you understand how that works. Do you think there's any chance they're going to be able to stay at the crazy valuations they are for the next five, 10 years? Or do you think they have some kind of massive return to earth coming? Yeah, you know what's interesting is that I uh, attended a uh, business insider sort of uh, higher end, I guess, conference in in New York City. Uh, had to have been, I don't know, three months ago or so. Uh, and, and Jeff Bezos, he's one of the, um, I guess, his company or he personally, I don't know, owns, I guess, Business Insider, that publication. And so he was there speaking, sort of keynoting the event and whatnot. And listening to him talk, it, you really start getting some, you know, uh, insight as to how the company really runs. His entire business, sure, they don't make profit, <laughs> uh, but that's not the goal. They just want to keep reinvesting to grow their business as big as possible. But they focus on customers like you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, They focus on giving customers good prices, on giving all kinds of other assets and resources and everything else, all kinds of other value to customers um, beyond what anybody else is even trying to do, especially in that space. And so it's like I think about it, it's like, how do you lose with that strategy? You're giving people more value than they're getting from anywhere else, and you're focusing on growth, and you're, you know, he seems you know, fairly reasonable. He's not blowing it on money. They're very, pretty frugal as a company when it comes to you know, uh, wasted expenditures anyways. And it's like I just don't think that there's any way that their company can lose anytime soon with those you know, set of values. So, I mean, I'm definitely thinking that, I mean, you never know with the general stock market, but relative to the general stock market, I think that uh, Amazon is a very strong position. There's no reason why they won't be for a long time in the future. Interesting. Well, maybe next time you're on, Matt, we'll have to strike up a bet and I'll, uh, yeah. I'll double down on this. <laughs> Remember I said relative to the general stock market, because I don't know where the general stock markets are going. <laughs> hey, it's all right. My betting history already is, uh, is not, not looking too good with Amazon. I made another bet, Amazon versus Alibaba, uh, and oh. I'm underwater on that one for the year. So, <laughs> Matt, it's uh, tons of good stuff you're able to share. Love digging into your brain for all of this stuff. Best of luck with the course launch. Best of yeah, luck going you. forward with, with Amazon. And thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. It was, uh, it was a pleasure and uh, I look forward to talking soon. That's going to do it for this week. But if you're interested in launching your own e-commerce store, download my free 55-page ebook on niche selection and getting started. And if you're a bit more experienced, look into the e-commerce fuel private forum. It's a vetted community for store owners with at least 4,000 in monthly sales or industry professionals with at least a year or more experience in the e-commerce space. 
You can learn more about both the ebook and the form at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next Friday.